messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's start out with a word from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Some of you may know this one. Some of you might be like me and could actually sing a kid's tune to know 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knows not knoweth not God, for God is love. So let's take a minute for, for us to just talk to the Lord for a second. God, I pray that you would speak through this mouth, this mind. I pray that it would not be filtered too much. <laughs> Just, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, and I pray that you would open all of our hearts to your word today. I pray that it would reveal things that that you are pleased with and reveal things that you would like to change in us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for loving us. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So um, pastor asked me if I would speak on love, and I was thinking, oh, maybe, oh, I better pray about it. I prayed for a second, and then the Lord's just like dropping the sermon in my lap, and it was pretty amazing. So I'm like, ah, uh, yes, I will. <laughs> I better. So um, I put um, some notes together, and I'd, I'd say he's given me some help to polish some things. So I want to bring that to you today. So today we're going to talk about the Father's love. I think we have a, a cool graphic, yeah. The Father's love. So this morning, if you were in Spirit Life class, we talked about some attributes of God. And um, I've heard someone say that God's greatest attribute, what do you think his greatest attribute is? Yeah, yeah what I heard someone else say was faithfulness, which is a Pretty amazing. So faithfulness may be his greatest. You have to study some more to make sure, but um, that's going to be up there with his holiness because God is holy. His holiness, we don't really understand that well, but holy is like perfect. Like God is perfect. So maybe next to, um, next to his faithfulness is perfectness. And another big trait is his love. So my actions don't determine God's love. So this is something we don't really understand too well. God is love, we just read it, and he re will remain love. But my response to his love defines what he can do. Love unreceived is limited. My response can either empower him to do a work and act on his love, or it can limit the amount of interaction that he can have with me. So he'll have that love. It's like a powerhouse available, but you've got to plug into it. It's a choice. Um, oh, I'll get there. We have a father that loves us with a perfect love. Most of us have had dads that were either like a hard taskmaster, hard taskmaster or was rarely impressed if we ever had high demands. Think about what your dad did. Maybe he was like that. Um, without ever showing love and affirmation. Maybe he was 
strict and hard but never showed you that love and affirmation that you desired. Some fathers are even more challenging in that they abuse with anger regardless of their child's actions. Quite the opposite of our father's love in heaven. Um, and there's, there's some other fathers too that they're always giving an approving word. They're always saying, oh, good job, you did great. But it's empty. And it does, he's not really meaning what he's saying. He might say it, but he doesn't act upon it. You can tell it's fake. Um, when when a father speaks like that, it's really, he doesn't, he's not willing to train up the child in the way he should go. He just wants to avoid conflict. So he says, oh, great, you're doing good. So there's many dads in here. I've probably touched on a couple of our fathers on earth. But our Father in the Heaven has a love that is both genuine and approving. And it's offered freely, regardless of what we do. <laughs> That's what's amazing about his love. We'll talk a bit more about the Greek word agape, which basically is that deep love of God that is offered free and doesn't change no matter what we do. So let's talk about it's a choice. God designed us with a capacity for love. He instilled that in us and gave us a choice that can control it. That's why there are people who curse and hate God. It's because God gave them that choice. Um, there are other people that, that choose to respond to God's love in the same manner, and that's what he's looking for us to do. It's a choice. It's an ability to choose that makes our love for God meaningful that's why the commandment of the Lord is to love him with all of your heart and secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why the commandment of the Lord is given uh, in Deuteronomy 6 and in Matthew 22, Old Testament and New Testament. We won't look them up, but those two laws were what the Pharisees were trying to get Jesus with. Oh, what's the best? What's the most important one? Is it if I have a tassel on my cloak? Which one is it, Jesus? He says, all the law hang on two things because they work together. Love the Lord your God. If you're doing that, you're going to be loving your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is made in the image of God. Yes. Now, we weren't the first ones to love God. Um, if we can look up 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And then 4.19. We love him because he first loved us. There's another scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he's got that, he's got the love thing down. We've got to work on it a little bit. Um, we choose to love because he first loved us and came down to earth for, for the sake of showing us how to live. Um, the way of God is love, and when you're walking in his way, you're walking in his love. So we'll break it down. When you walk in his love, you're walking in his spirit. When you walk in the spirit of God, you're walking in love. So what does love look like? A good parent doesn't remove all the challenges for his ch from his children. A wise parent allows a child to make some decisions and face some consequences. When a child's 
child is loved enough to have the freedom to learn from mistakes, there's an opportunity for a special bond between the parent and child. A time when they can come together and say, oh, wow, what did we learn? And I love you even though you made this choice. That's where growth can occur in a healthy manner. God's love is perfect, but it may not look the way you expected. There are times when he will need to allow a trial to enter your life because it's what you need most to learn and become more like him. Other times his love may just take care of the need for you that you have. So he knows, our father knows best, dad knows best. Think about the covenant with Abraham. So this was a, a covenant that God made with Abraham. And if you think about um, the Old Testament covenant, it involved uh, like a physical circumcision because everything was physical in the Old Testament um, to represent a spiritual deeper meaning. But that uh, covenant with Abraham was an agreement about um, lifestyle. And it was also a way of living. And it was for the sake of a loving relationship. Okay, now for the hard question. How do I love? So maybe you're the type of person who does not naturally feel love towards others. Some people are better at it, better at it than others. So your question could be, how can I love others? Um, in the past, I decided the approach could be fake it till you make it. <laughs> and there's actually books written on that, I believe. Um, Basically, you may not feel love, but just pretend and act like you love. And that's a really good starting place. It's a really good first step. But I can tell you how God has opened my eyes to increase my capacity and passion and desire to love others. When you seek the Lord, well, you will find. Uh, and he can open doors and pull you into the supernatural. When you walk in the Spirit, you can see people differently, differently than you used to. Um, he might remove a lens, and you can see, wow, this person's upset, but God loves them so much. So I'm going to talk about a little uh, personal testimony that I have. So some of you that know me know that I grew up extremely introverted. Um, I figured, I'm going to just show you how to live. I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> or, you know, I'm going to show you the right way to do things. But um, the Lord's been working on me. He's developed, and he put me in my workplace where I had to actually talk about some mechanical designs in front of people, which, you know, scared me to death in the beginning. But he's growing on me. He's working on me. To the point where a couple weeks ago I had to fly to... Buffalo, New York, and drive down to um, Olean, New York, where one of our test facilities are. And I had four plane trips, two of them to get there and two to get back, and there wasn't one person that I sat next to that I didn't talk about, about Jesus. So, so that's... He gives you boldness. He really does. He really does. Um, so on one of those flights... Um, my last one, I sat next to a lady. She had one of those masks on, so I was like, I don't know if I want to sit next to you. Fortunately, she said, I'm not sick. 
I found out later that she's a doctor and she's like an allergenist. I'm like, okay, you know what's in this plane better than I do. So she's making, wearing a mask, keeping herself healthy. Um, she was going to go see her fiance, so don't get him sick either, I suppose. Um, so we were, had a really good test, uh, a really good uh, conversation. So she was a doctor. She was about my age, and she also was Muslim, so believed in Islam. And in the past, I'd think, oh, I'm going to stay as far away as I can from you guys because you don't have it right. But in this time with her, it was like there was this really deep connection that we both could see that we were both made by God. And in fact, while we're talking, just the revelations dropping on me that, you know, Abraham, you know, he tried to do his own work to have the promise that God gave him. God gave him a promise. And he wasn't patient enough. He said, okay, I'm going to do it the way that I think it needs to be done. And that's how he used his servant or wife's maid to have a child. And that was Ishmael. Right? I got it right. And uh, that wasn't the way God intended it to go. He wanted it to be in his time. Um, and that was the promise Isaac so there's the two descendants of Abraham, one that was born like of the flesh and that one was born of God. So the called child, Isaac, those are his people. Those are the, the Israelites. Those are the Jews today. Those are the physical people that God called. And I'm sitting next to this lady. I'm like, well, you're a cast out, you know. That's what I'm thinking. And then it dawns on me, so am I. <laughs> I'm not a Jew. She's not a Jew. I was like, hey, we're both adopted into his family, you know that? So it was pretty amazing how we had that, that connection. And God puts us where we are, and it doesn't matter where you start with. Um, so after this conversation, I just started thinking, I'm like, wow, Lord, you're really making me open my eyes to everybody around me, even Muslims. I'm like, what about that coexist bumper sticker? What about that? Am I really supposed to adopt that? Like, look at that. That's When I see that, I see, oh no, this is not the right thing. This is false doctrine. <laughs> People get upset. I'm upset about this thing. Who put this together anyway? And um, God didn't say yes, except what everybody's saying about it, but he talked to me, or he kind of just gave me this idea, which was like, Yes, that is you, God. So the, the world interprets this or might project this on you and say, look at all of these religions. They're all put there to be there. And there's, uh, well, that hell, there's no hell. There's no hell. We're all on the same path and we're all going to end up in heaven no matter where you are or what you believe or what you do. That's kind of what the world might interpret from this bumper sticker, right? That's not correct. But the Lord kind of showed me, you know, you can be in any of these religions. And, I mean, and you're still God's child. He made you. He put you in there. You might be in India. You might be a Buddhist. You might be believing something that might not be right. But if you are there and you seek God and you search for him, 
eventually whatever religion you're in, they will just fade. They'll fade away and you will end kneeling at the cross. Whether it's in this life or the next life, some people might not make it to the cross in this life. I believe they have an opportunity and I believe God has grace for all to be saved. But he offers a choice and that's why there's the choice at the cross where you will spend eternity. Let's look at 2 Peter 3, 9. It's like, oh boy, this better be scriptural. <laughs> the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's in the Bible. Ooh, you got to love... God's love is perfect. It'll, you'll feel something with God's love. You'll feel, oh, finally, someone who loves me. And you'll feel, oh, I feel dirty because I haven't been responding correctly to that love. But he still loves you just the same. Let's talk about our response to God. Let's look up another scripture that people can quote. Uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this is, um, it's, an, it's a promise. There is something that, um, something, some actions that you can take. This isn't saying that whoever you are, wherever you are in that coexist bumper sticker, it's taken care of. No, it's saying, no, no matter where you are in that bumper sticker, God can take care of it. He will offer you an open door to believe, and then we can step through it in obedience. He will open up a door of the gospel, and you can step through it with salvation. So he will give you those, he will give those op opportunities to believe on him. He will give you an opportunity to confess the things that aren't of him. He'll give you an opportunity to repent of the wrongdoing that you sinned against him with. He'll give you an opportunity to take a step of faith like we celebrated in baptism and going down in a watery grave and coming up with God's name on us. He will give us an opportunity to open up our hearts and say, God, I want you to take control. I don't want to do it anymore. And he will come in and he will literally take control of your tongue and speak in a language that you can't do yourself. And he will allow you to take steps of faith in pursuing that holiness, that perfection. God wants you to be as close to perfect when he takes you up to heaven as possible. So he'll say, oh, there's something. Can you change that? And he'll nudge you a little bit. You'll put a little word in your heart and you'll be like, yeah, I see that now. You want me to change this? I can do that for you. So he wants us to take those steps of faith wherever you're at. Here's a plug. If you're looking for your next step, talk to Reese. Let's talk again about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if I were to send my son eldest male would be Micah 
into the world, I would ensure that I instilled my spirit in him. I would make sure that we were on the same page before he entered the world. I would trust him to make sure he was full of love and compassion and grace, willing to confront and convict, convict sin and to instill truth. I would equip him with my spirit, give him my number so he can call me anytime he needs, and I would respond. It's a little different, though, how God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus. It's not like me sending Micah, where one being sends another. It would literally be the Spirit of God putting on flesh and going into the world. The body of Jesus Christ connected to the Spirit of God. It was a body connected to God's full Spirit. Consider God sending flesh. That's all he sent. He sent a physical body. He put the seed by his Holy Spirit into a virgin to make the body a physical form. But once that body was formed, the Spirit of God himself filled the vessel. God came. The Spirit of God of the Old Testament came down to us because he loves us. Why did he come? He came to pay the consequence of our sin for us. It was Jesus' love for us that kept his body on that cross. Let's look at Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's another scripture that I don't have for you guys, but it's, um, greater love has no man than this, but that one should lay down his life for his brother. And that's what Jesus did for us. So, um, how do we see through the eyes of Jesus? How do we see it with those eyes of love? Can you imagine seeing how Jesus saw? He was whipped, he was beaten, he was crucified on that cross. His body was destroyed to the point that he could see his muscles, ligaments, and bones. That's even in the scripture. In great pain, he opened his eyes to see men gambling for his clothes. And what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. He saw them with love. He looked past his pain. He looked past their actions. He even looked past their lifestyle to see the image of God inside of them. The joy of restoring that relationship with his creation was what kept him on that cross. That relationship with his children drove Jesus to fulfill the mission he came for. He desires for you to prosper in his presence. After fulfilling his mission on earth, you know, the body of Christ returned to heaven. Um, so God is in heaven with power, redeeming power, so that those made in his image could choose to return to him and thrive like he made you, he intended for you. Um, Jack Cunningham said that there are three things that please the Lord in Scripture. There's the creation of the sun, moon, and stars. There's Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And it's when his people prosper. He desires that so much. He's gone through some things to make it a possibility for us. 
If you respond to God's love in the right manner, you will prosper. I don't know exactly where you're at. Maybe you need to respond to God's goodness with repentance. His faithfulness, respond to his faithfulness with faithfulness back to him. Maybe you need to respond for the forgiveness of our sin by forgiving someone else. Maybe you need to respond to his grace with obedience. Maybe you need to respond to his mercy with kindness and thanksgiving. Maybe you need to respond to his blessings by serving with joy. Maybe you need to respond to the open door he's put in front of you, that you hear something that is biblical and it's inspiring or a tug on your heart and you can take a step of faith. So how can you love God without hearing him? I think it's worth taking a minute to thinking about how you connect with God. His word is there for us. Um, We talked about how the greatest commandment is love, but you may not be able to have the love of God without hearing his voice. Perhaps the greatest way that you can learn to love is to recognize the voice of the Father and obey Obey, which also requires us to recognize the voice of the enemy, at which time we call it in to the Father so we can take care of it. So you might get one voice this side and say, okay, that's of God, obey. You might get another voice on this side that says, that's not of God. Okay, Lord, I had this thought and it's despicable. Just please take it. And sometimes it's our own flesh that just drags us down and we want to do what we want to do, but there's God saying... This way, this way, come on. The only way the love of God will show through us is if we listen to the right voice. Have you ever had thoughts from the enemy like, you know, maybe life would be better without the spouse you married? Or maybe you shouldn't take the time to take care of the mess you got into. It'll just go away eventually. Someone else will take care of it. Or maybe you've had thoughts like, I don't know if I can handle doing a fast. Not, I can't. Or how could God care about people if there are so many people in pain? Or there's even like, um, I've heard someone say, I heard something tell me to shoot myself. Those are voices of the enemy. And the only way to handle them is to call them in to God. You got to give those to him. He's, he is there to care for us. He's there to take care of things that we don't have to take care of. He will fight our battles. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. When we hear God's word come our way, that's when we should listen and obey. These voices might say, lift your hands and pray right now. They'll say, tell this person that God loves them. Usually the flesh is right after and say, uh, you know where you are, right? You can't do that. But that'll be the God's voice will be, you know, you tell this person that God loves them. They've been praying about that. Um, these voices might sound like, go home and fix your budget so you can pay off your debt. These voices might be like, um, I would like you to change how you present yourself and your appearance so you can represent me better. The voices might say, go to that person and tell them you're sorry. Confess your sin. So conflicts come our way all the time, but you have a response that is, you can have a response that's not all in your flesh based on our habits that we talked about. Sometimes we just respond because it's habitual. We are creatures of habit. 
but the voice of God will say, this person's trying to offend you, but you're free from that. Love them instead. It's like I was telling Reese about judo, how uh, I think that's the right martial art, right? Yeah, okay, he knows. That's where uh, someone comes at you with power and momentum, and what your purpose is is not to pound them back, and it's not to take it, but it's to divert it. It's to let that power go, go past you. So sometimes that's what we need to do with those conflicts that come our way. Someone might come to you in anger. Don't pound them with anger. Maybe you shouldn't also just take it all upon yourself. Um, those are some ways that we can typically react. But if you can divert it to God's love, point them to God's love, that's usually when it ends the best. If you need to learn to love better, just ask God to help you. Make sure to listen and obey. When you hear the right voice and reject the wrong ones, you start to walk in liberty because that is being in the Spirit. Even if the Lord hasn't opened your eyes yet, when you pursue those fruits of the Spirit by rejecting your habitual reactions, replacing them with ones that Jesus would do, you're walking in the right direction. Um, let's talk about keeping our eyes. Uh, let's look up Second Chronicles 16.9. This was a scripture that Tanya read to me, and I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show, for, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So the first part of this scripture um, talks about how God will work on behalf of those whose hearts are right towards him. He's looking for someone to demonstrate his strength in, and the prerequisite is having a perfect heart towards him. In prayer, so this is something I did. I asked the Lord, how do you develop a perfect heart? And the Lord's starting to speak to me beyond just the written paper, which is what I've been relying on for a long time. But now he's just dropping a couple of thoughts in my head, which is incredible. That's why sometimes someone can, can preach here and they might jump all over the Bible and you're like, How? you're just scatterbrained. But it's really the Lord stepping it out for this time, for these people. Yeah. So in prayer, I asked the Lord, how do you develop a perfect heart? Wait a little bit try to not think about anything, and he drops a thought in my head, I felt as if the Lord said, by keeping your eyes on me. I'm like, oh yeah, you have a perfect heart, don't you? I'll look, I'll look at you. You did it right. <laughs> um, then part of Isaiah 26.3 came to mind. You can pull that one up. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So I believe our hearts can have peace and be developed toward perfection only when our mind and our eyes are focused on Christ. So in my own life, and I'm sure many others, uh, I've desired approval of others. Yep, approval addict. <laughs> I wanted others not to be able to find any flaws in me, I realize now this was, you know, I was trying to protect my flesh, which is one form of pride. I realize that my driving desire ought to be the approval of God. When you can do that, you actually might attain some approval. 
<laughs> There's some truth there too. All right, Reese talked about the next point that I'm going to make, which is about the prodigal, the prodigal son, his father, the prodigal's father. Um, so I, there was some good teaching this morning on that at 10 o'clock. It was, uh, you know, Reese's God is the same as my God. Let's read Luke 15:20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The word fell means to express love unreservedly. Yeah, I stole that from someone who knows how to read in Greek, you know, Jeff Arnold. <laughs> but the word fell is to express love unreservedly. The same word is used when the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles in the New Testament in Acts 10 with Cornelius. God reaches further and forgives more than we typically would. We need to receive that agape love, that perfect, perfect love of God from the Father, and in turn offer it to those around us. The Father loved. He allowed his sons to choose. So um, the prodigal son had a choice. Instead of the father attempting to guide his son's actions or control his decisions or, you know, this is your destiny, the loving father simply offered the gift of free will. You know, he probably laid them out pretty good for his sons and said, you know, this is the right way to go. But you have these choices. His, his son decided to choose the way of the world at the time. He chose the way of sin, which ended up in a pretty bad place. Sin brings forth some death, that's for sure. When his prodigal son came bath, came back, when his prodigal, well, he needed a bath too, but uh, when his prodigal son came back, he still loved. The father still loved him. He rejoiced. Now, the prodigal's brother wasn't exactly like his father. He looked at the sin and the waste of his brother, but the father looked at the life and he offered forgiveness with the, his love. Let's have eyes and actions like our Father. We ought to be careful not even to allow comfort, maybe even protocol, maybe even doctrine to override or replace the love the Father has given us. Love is the power that can allow truth to enter into someone's life in a healthy manner. We need it. We really need it. You can have all the knowledge of the Bible there's to have, but if you don't have love, what does it matter? If, if we can let others make their own decisions while always standing ready to love and forgive, if necessary, we're, we allow God to work them back into his family. So if the uh, musicians want to come, I have a few more points. Um, let's talk about reflecting agape love. We are drawn by the love of the Father. He draws us to reflect his image with minimal distortions and dirt. So think about this. There is our Father, and we're his image. We are to reflect him. So uh, I could use a volunteer that might not have to hold an instrument. Any young men around here? Seth, you want to come up here?
So I learn from the best. Pastor loves illustrations. So I got one for you. Can you hold this mirror, please? Just don't blind anyone with the lights. So we're drawn by the love of the Father. He draws us to reflect his image with minimal distortions and dirt. So I might look in here and I'd be like, this one looks pretty good. But you might see some mirrors, even in like the, the funny house or whatever you want to call it, that are wavy. Some mirrors you might find they are full of dirt and splotches and they're kind of nasty. Um, but he wants us to reflect his image with minimal distortions, minimal dirt. So agape love, it only, I mean, it comes from God alone. We can express it if God is in us. But agape love, it, it's given regardless. It's love offered regardless of anything. It looks for nothing in return. It makes no records of wrongs. It looks to love cover, covers others' shortcomings. It doesn't display them. And it seeks the best for others. So Jesus draws us to reflect his image with minimal distortions and dirt. So um, some of the young people will do the same thing as me. I googled how to fix a warped mirror. I'm like, how, how do you, I don't know how to do that. Listen to what I found. It's far more likely that your wall isn't perfectly flat rather than the mirror being distorted. The simple ways to test this is to get a spirit level or anything with an edge you know is true and lay it across the mirror. If it doesn't lie flush, then the mirror's warped and you can do the same thing with the wall. If it's getting heavy, you can put it down now. So how do we reflect God's love accurately? We need, to, we need to make sure we mount ourselves to the right wall, the right wall. We need to conform ourselves to the right foundational structure. You gotta pick, pick the right pillars that you stand next to in life and make sure that they're strong and flush. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is we need to conform ourselves to the spirit level. Compare ourselves to the sword of the Spirit with the double edge that contains the word of truth. That's how you can reflect God, the way he made us to do it. So let's pull up 1 John 4, 7 through 8 again, just kind of recap real quick. You can put that there. Thanks. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So there's something that um, I would ask pastor's permission if we could do something similar, but not the same as what I've seen Jeff Arnold do. And it was praying that God would infuse us with his love. So if it's okay with you, maybe we can have um, leadership team and I know some of them are up here, but can you guys pray for the leadership? And the leadership should pray for you that we can all be infused with God's love for each other and for those around us. Yeah, can you come, come and stand and, and we'll pray up in the front if you would. Lord, we pray that you would infuse us with your love. You have the perfect love. 
It's a love that we don't experience that much with other people, but it is the right kind of love. I pray that that love would heal hurts in us. I pray that we would surrender to you and that your perfect love could make us the way we, are, the way we ought to be. Lord, we pray that, that we would reflect that love in the right manner. Help us to be humble enough to take your spirit level and to see what needs to be changed, Lord. I pray that you would reveal in our hearts the things that need to be transformed, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your word would work on us, that your spirit of truth would guide us. Help us to look to the right things in this life, to focus on the things that are going to have eternal value, Lord God. Help us to see others with the love that you have for them, no matter what religion they come from, no matter what background we have, no matter what attitude they have against us. Lord, I pray that we would respond in the love that you have, the love that kept you on that cross, the love that brought you to this earth to pay for our sins, Jesus. Lord, we pray for an infusing of your love. Yes, Lord.